occurring down through the ages around January 1st. This midnight alignment marks the moment when the energies of Sirius directly overhead most closely touch our lives in her most single purity. And I really would like to read today's uh, alignment for mm-hmm. you. I think it's beautiful. Um, let's see. The moon is conjunct Mercury and then Pluto, which I wish I knew more about, but I don't. Today, actively shedding light on the truth of who we believe ourselves to be. The shadow side of truth is based in fear and is often used to manipulate, wound, or control. Fear-based truth lives by rigid rules and standards designed to control outcomes, carry harsh punishments or judgments. When those rules are transgressed, this sets up circumstances where we might feel betrayed or victimized or we might feel self-righteous if those around us do not live up to our standards of truth. Love-based truth operates from radical compassion and is not invested in outcomes, but rather allows and accepts what is, trusting Mm -hmm. the divine order of life and being willing to face our fears, embrace them, and transform them with love helps us to release fear-based truths, which in turn brings us to change our beliefs, thereby changing our reality. You are creating your own reality right now, Ollie, just like I am. If you think life sucks, guess what? It sucks. Create a new reality, Create though. A new reality. And I mean, right. I mean, part of the problem we're dealing with right now is we're in a political climate, a corporate climate that is fear-based, and mm-hmm. we can change that. Yeah. We have to start with ourselves. It's true. And the influence we will have on other people. I think we're out. Is Alex waving to us that we're out of time? So happy yes. New Year, everybody! Happy New Year! And uh, go out. Don't party too much, though, that you miss this opportunity to connect with the dog star. And if you're interested, you can email us at wcbnrenegades at yahoo.com because I personally wouldn't mind getting arrested because I'm standing in front of a truck hauling toxic crap to this site. That's That's a way to create a reality. Yeah. I'm not kidding. I would do it. Standing up to polluters. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll just drive out there and just do it. I'll bring some coffee. Mm Mm-hmm. So if you want to join me... They're assaulting the health of your kids, your grandkids, and all the future generations. It's true. They shouldn't be allowed to do that. I don't think so. Especially not for money. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next year. Renegade Solutions is a White Buffalo Woman production. It is engineered by Alex Belhaj. I'm Sharmi Golson. This is Ali. Thanks. See you next week. box a box of chocolates would I know to stay away what's it hand off his box a box of chocolates would I eat them anyway cause every time I have half a mind to leave you babe that means I have half a mind to stay get myself comfortable here. Hi, this is Mike, and uh, this is Pandora's Lunchbox. It's a show about food. We're here in our rented Rolls-Royce Silver Sprite 6, and we're moving along here, getting louder and louder in the interior of the car. What we've done on today's program is our goal today 
which is about food, our show's about food, is to go to a restaurant and take a look at their samples and look at the art of samples. What makes a good sample? What, what is the right size for a sample? Are there thoughts put into samples? I mean, can you make serving suggestions? If you have cheese on one side of the store, you have bread on the other side, would it be, would it, would it be a good serving suggestion to combine the two? What are some of the psychological motivations that go into eating samples and eating samples incessantly and, and actually never buying anything? Well, here we are at one of Ann Arbor's preeminent food stores. This is this is the Foods Hole. Hole I can't get the name right. Food Holes. Yes, this is Food Holes, a store that specializes in food with holes in it. Swiss cheeses, crackers with the little holes in it, and they have a lot of boutique items such as the Ukrainian eggs, you know, you have to poke a hole at the bottom of it to get the stuff out of it. So here we are at Food Holes, and we can't seem to get a parking space. Sorry, guy. But uh, in the meantime, we're going to have a little bit of uh, pre-New Year's Eve fun. We're not going to let this get us down. We're going to think about the new year, and we're going to think about the old year. And we're going to go over some of the top events of 2005, the way they've affected you and me, and what's in our stomachs. And first of all, we might as well uh, turn on the radio here and get into some uh, mood music since we're driving around around the parking lot. Here we go. He's, uh, I think the kinks are on. Yeah.
excuse us. This is Pandora's Lunchbox, and we are circling. We've circled now 37 times we're counting. The parking lot of Food Holes, the great store that has lots of Swiss cheese and other food with holes in it. And we just heard the kinks and driving. Well, again, we're trying to get in there, and we're going to try to do a feature today on samples. Little samples, whether they have little sticks in them or not. What is the meaning of a sample? Why do we eat them incessantly? Aside from the fact that they're cheaper than buying food. Oh, I just gave it away. Oh, well. Anyway, we're driving around. We can't get in, and so we might as well think about the effect that this year has had on us. First of all, let's talk about some of the big events of 2005. You've probably been listening to NPR and CNN and CPR, and and you've been thinking about what are the big effect, the big events of this year and how have they affected me. Here's one of the biggest. This happened in August. You'll remember August was quite a month. A woman had offered on eBay a pierogi with the face of Jesus on it. That, I think, was probably the major event of August for me. This is from the Associated Press in Point Place, Ohio, which, as we know, is a pivotal spot. It's a swing state, and a woman had a pierogi with Jesus' face on it. Donna Lee says Jesus' face appeared in a pierogi she was cooking for Easter dinner in her home in Point Place, north of Toledo. It's even close to here. She's kept it in her freezer ever since. A pierogi, helpfully explained here, is a half-moon-shaped dumpling often filled with sauerkraut or cheese. Lee and her husband posted the pierogi on eBay with a starting price of $500. Donna Lee says she hopes to generate the sort of bidding war that drove a Virgin Mary emblazoned grilled cheese to $28,000 last year. So far, no bids have been placed. That's as of August. I have not looked into this. But can you imagine a Virgin Mary emblazoned grilled cheese? I mean, what kind of a crash would that be? A Virgin Mary emblazoned grilled cheese with Jesus' face on a pierogi. You could do an actual crash lunch special. Okay, other important news this year. This actually, more recently, this is really up there with Supreme Court uh, shenanigans and stuff like that. This happened earlier this month from Hudson Falls, New York. A television character known as Banana Boy wound up on the wrong side of the law when a sheriff's deputy mistook a staged fight for the real thing. Banana Boy is a superhero on a Glens Falls, New York TV station. The man playing the part was filming a fight scene in a Hudson Falls parking lot dressed in a large banana costume and black mask. A Washington County deputy drove past and saw a knife-wielding man attacking the banana. Okay. The deputy drew his weapon and ordered everyone, including the cameraman, onto the ground. All three were charged with disorderly conduct because they caused a traffic tie-up. Police say they should have notified authorities before performing the skit. One of the performers says they usually film their skits in a neighboring town where police know them. And so we have one of the serious issues of this year, collusion between police and large fruits. I don't know. And another important piece of news this year, this actually, uh, in the New York Times, not too long ago, this actually, in November, the exciting news, this is one of the major cultural events of this year. Coke is eager to become a much bigger player, it says here. In January, it introduced full throttle. Yes, and you and I have often drank full throttle for breakfast or just poured it on our cereal and it announced plans to re- to revamp the 1970s brand Tab Tab is coming back which has not been sold in any significant quantities in the last 20 years but it's going to revamp it as an energy drink targeted to women it will also start selling a caffeinated version of its Powerade sports drink Tab is coming back as an energy drink targeted to women so if you see it coming duck Okay, we're here in the Rolls-Royce. It looks like we're slowing down a bit. Um, We are circling the food holes 
food store, and we're not able to get in to talk about samples and such, but we are talking about the major events of 2005 as this year comes to an end. And we'll also look in just a moment at some of those people who have touched our lives and yet have passed on. And we'll also have a few guests who have not passed. Well, some of the guests we have today have passed on, but it's it's kind of a conceptual thing. In fact, here's uh, Ogden Nash. We're here in the Rolls Royce. It's a very long Rolls Royce. Let's have Ogden Nash uh, have a word. Do you have anything to say, uh, Ogden? Can you? What, what do you have to say? Everybody eats too much anyhow. This is true. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You gulp your breakfast and glance at the clock. Through 11th hour packing, you gallop amok. You bundle your bags in the back of the car. You enter, she enters, and there you are. It's au revoir to your modest abode. Your gypsies away on the open road. The conversation is sweet as clover, with breakfast practically hardly over. Darling, light me a cigarette. At once, and with all my heart, my pet. And by the way, we're off the track. We should have turned left a half mile back. You swing around with a cheery smile. Thus far, a mile is only a mile. The road is romance, so let it wind with breakfast an hour or so behind. Under the tires, the pebbles crunch, and through the dust creep thoughts of lunch. The speedometer sits on a steady 50, and more and more does lunch seem nifty. Your eyes to the road ahead are glued. She glances about in search of food. She sees a place. She would like to try it. She says so. Well, you're already by it. Ignoring the road, you spot an eatery. The look of it makes her interior teetery. She sees a beauty. It's past and gone. She's simmering now like a tropical dawn. She snubs the excuse as you begin it that there'll be another one any minute. She says there won't. It must be a plot. She's absolutely correct. There's not. You finally find one. You stop and alight. You're both too annoyed to eat a bite. Oh, this is the gist of my gypsy song. Next time, carry your lunch along. Well, thank you, Ogden, for that... uh thoughtful story here. Ogden Nash has passed away, and that's a very sad thing, but he's still with us nonetheless. This is Pandora's Lunchbox. It is still a show about food, and we're here in the Rolls-Royce... Oh, excuse me. Hold on. Let me just uh, bring the microphone up to the car itself so you can hear... Hold on. The car. We are in the car. Yes, we are in the car, and we took a stop for just a moment, but uh, we're circling the Food Holes eatery, but we can't get in because there's no parking. Actually, there was rumors of valet parking, but they kind of looked at us funny, so we're still circling. Again, what we're trying to do, hope to do, by the end of this half hour, is do a show about food samples and why people eat food samples, which is because they cost less than food. I keep giving it away, so that just kind of... Well, anyway, we're we're circling, and what we're going to do now is take a moment to remember some of the people who left us in 2005, some of the people who have changed our lives. There's been a lot of important people throughout the world, and first of all, Let's remember for a moment the creator of stovetop stuffing, Ruth, Ruth Symes, a home economist from southern Indiana who helped create stovetop stuffing, died in November, November 13th, at the age of 74. She worked for General Foods for more than 30 years, and she died November in Newburgh, Indiana, after suffering a heart attack at her home. She helped develop stovetop in 1971 while working at General Foods Technical Center in White Plains, New York. She was listed first among four inventors when the patent was awarded in 1975 for the quick and easy way of making stuffing without actually stuffing a turkey. Everyone always had me pegged as a creative person, Symes told the Evansville Courier in a 1991 interview. I've always liked to put things together. Thank you, 
Ruth for helping us put our lives together. Also, who passed this year? This is a sad moment. I, I just uh, sorry, sorry. We're, we're trying to be sensitive here. Hold on. Sorry. People really don't respect this. Now, Enzo Stuarti passed away in December. He's an Italian tenor who performed in Broadway musicals and at Carnegie Hall. He also did popular TV commercials plugging a spaghetti sauce. He was 86 years old. Now, he appeared in commercials for Ragu Spaghetti Sauce, delivering the That's a Nice line about the sauce. And not only that, though, he actually starred in more than a dozen Broadway productions, including Around the World in 80 Days, South Pacific, and Kiss Me Kate. He performed under the names Larry Lawrence and Larry Stewart before taking the name Enzo Stuarti. Stuarti was a frequent guest on television talk shows, including The Ed Sullivan Show, The Mike Douglas Show, and The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. And to you, Enzo, we'd like to say thank you, and that's a nice. Thank you so much. And now, just recently, this is this is also sad news. Fred Baker of Dunkin' Donuts passed away recently. In fact, he died. Uh, let's see if I have the date here. I believe it was last week or earlier this week. He died last Saturday. In fact, he was 83 years old, and he's the one who said, "Time to make the donuts." That that man died earlier this week. No, actually, he died on December 24th, Christmas Eve. Now, he was born in 1922 in Brooklyn. He studied acting at the Dramatic Workshop in New York City, and he, he studied along with classmates Tony Curtis and Rod Steiger. He's a, he was a veteran of Broadway stage, film, and television. He appeared in over 1,300 TV commercials, perhaps the most famous being Fred the Baker in Dunkin' Donuts, but he also had uh, visits on the Bill Cosby Show, Kojak, the Marlo Thomas Special. I have to ask Arwolf about this next one, a show called Caddish with Allen Ginsberg that he appeared on, I believe. He also was on Broadway, and he had the original role of Mr. Mushnick on the broad, the off-Broadway production of Little Shop of Horrors. This is Michael Vale. He passed away at the age of 83 on Christmas Eve. And we'd like to take just one more moment. One other person who has influenced our lives. Hold on. We're slowing down a little bit here. Uh, it's hard to find a parking space here. We're at the Food Holes Eatery, and we're trying to get a parking space, and we're not succeeding so far, but we are in this fancy Rolls-Royce Silver Sprite 6, and that's what we're trying to do now. The Father of Light Beer... Now, I wish I could pronounce his name. And if I mispronounce the name of any of these people, I apologize to anyone. But Owadis, Joseph Owadis, a biochemist credited with inventing, for better or for worse, light beer. This is out of the Washington Post. Died of a heart ailment December 16th at his home in Sonoma, California. He was 86 years old. Initially intrigued by the study of cholesterol, Owadis entered the brewing trade through postdoctoral work in fermentation science. While working in Brooklyn, New York at Rheingold Breweries, then an industry leader, he developed a process to remove the starch from beer. This reduced its carbohydrates and calories. When I got into the beer business, I used to ask people why they did not drink beer. The answer I got was twofold. One, I don't like the way beer tastes. Two, I'm afraid it will make me fat. It was a common belief that drinking beer made you fat, he said. Introduced in 1967, his product was called Gablinger's Diet Beer. As Awadis later said, the Gablinger's television advertisement showing a man with the girth of a sumo wrestler shoveling spaghetti into his mouth and downing a Gablinger's did little to help his cause. The name was Gablinger's Diet Beer, and Brooklyn Brewery present said the name doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. Now, unfortunately, it didn't do too well. Miller Brewing did acquire the light beer process when it bought assets of Meisterbrow in the early 1970s. And it used the tastes great, less filling marketing strategy using football players and other tough knuckled types, which helped Miller light 
flourish. But let's take a moment to remember the father of light beer. This is Pandora's Lunchbox, and let's turn on the radio here. And again, thank you to all those people in 2005 who have influenced our lives. And here's a little song for you. the night of December the 31st. Man can never get it through his head that he is born to be not a creditor but a debtor. Man always thinks the annual thought that just because last year was terrible, next year is bound to be better. Man is a victim of dope in the incurable form of hope. Man is a blemishless Pollyanna and is convinced that the advent of every new year will place him in possession of a bumper crop of manna. Therefore, man fills himself up with a lot of joie de vivre and goes out to celebrate New Year's Eve. Therefore, millions of respectable citizens who just a week before have been perfectly happy to sit at home and be cozily Christmas carolized consider it a point of honor to go out on the town and get themselves paralyzed. Therefore, the whistles blow toot toot and the bells ring ding ding and the confetti goes confetti confetti at midnight on the 31st of December. And on January 1st, the world is full of people who either can't and wish they could or can and wish they couldn't remember. They never seem to learn from experience. They keep on doing it year after year, from the time they are puling infants till they are doddering octogenarians. My goodness, if there's anything in heredity and environment, how can people expect the newborn year to manifest any culture or refinement? Every new year is the direct descendant, isn't it, of a long line of proven criminals, And you can't turn it into a philanthropist by welcoming it with cocktails and champagne any more successfully than with prayer books and hymnals. Every new year is a country as barren as the old one, and it's no use trying to forage it. Every new year is incorrigible. Then all I can say is, for heaven's sake, why go out of your way to encourage it? Thank you. Thank you, Ogden. Thank you so much. Ogden Noshing, Nashing. Ogden is gnashing his teeth while noshing. This is Pandora's lunchbox. And I see on the other side of the par- parking lot, I see Arwolf uh, there, actually. So he must be trying to find a, a parking space, too. Um, 
I can hear him too. It's it's here. Yeah, I can hear him uh, actually putting uh, CDs and LPs together on the corner of the parking lot here while we're driving around here. And uh, yep, that's that's uh, just saying hello to him. We are in this car here. We are here in the parking lot of Food Holes, and we're trying to get in to talk about the importance of eating samples. But nonetheless, we are having fun. And uh, eating, eating what? Eating samples. Arwolf. Oh, samples. Yeah, let me just pull up here. Sorry, I don't mean to run past you. I don't mean oh, to oh, endanger oh. you uh, here. Just, uh, yeah, here we go. Hello. Okay, let me just uh, pull over here. Yes, Arwolf. Um, yeah, we're trying to uh, learn about eating samples. Well, I'm so glad I know what you're doing now. That's good. I brought a bunch of um, very strange records down here, including the Timothy Leary record. Oh. I always try and play that near the uh, near the end of each year. Excellent. So, so you're playing here from the parking lot of food holes? Is that uh... precisely from the potholes? Actually, the potholes of yeah, food holes. Got a bunch yes, of potheads okay. from the '60s, the Holy Modal Rounders, Timothy Leary, people like that. Holy moly! Yeah, that sounds great. But samples, really, I say. Yes, the thing is, I can't get a parking space, so we're doing uh, whatever we can think well, of here. You know. We're doing a show about uh, remembering 2005 and the effect it's had on us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, terrible year. Do go on. Okay. Well, uh, good luck with that, and. Um, it's, this is WCBN FM and Arbor, in case you didn't really notice that. But uh, Arwolf will be here to help you face the music here in the parking lot of the Pothole Emporium of ho- Food Holes I- at 7 o'clock. It's, it's very soon. Sorry, excuse me. Sorry. Well, that's what you get in the parking lot. Sorry, I really am sorry. But uh, before we go, let's take a look back to some pre-2005 moments to get a sense of perspective here. We're going to look at some words that are no longer being used from the book Forgotten English by Jeffrey K. Kirk. And again, I hope that I've pronounced his name. I need a pronouncer check in my brain to be uh, implemented there. I, maybe there's one there already. Wow. Maybe somebody's listening. Maybe it's illegal. Anyway, uh, here's here's one word. This is it's a G-E-O-G-R-A-F-F-Y. Geography. It's spelled G-E-O-G-R-A-F-F-Y. It is a beverage made by seamen of burnt biscuit boiled in water. Now, this bit of information from the book Vitalogy, Food Remedies for All Diseases, by George Wood, says this. Toast water, when properly prepared, forms an almost indispensable article in the sick room. If good, stale bread or biscuits be nicely toasted, not burnt, and then placed in a dish or jug and hot water poured on and allowed to cool, the drink will often prove more palatable than water alone. Toast, burnt toast in water. Exactly. And uh, also, just so you know, Wednesday, December 28th, it's not too late, that was the Feast of Fools. This, according to the Encyclopedia of Knowledge and Language, a festival regularly celebrated with the most absurd ceremonies, both by clergy and the laity in several countries in Europe, from the 5th down to the 16th century. At first, only the boys of the choir and young sacristans played the principal part in them, while the bishops and other clergy formed part of the audience. A bishop of unreason was appointed, the forms and ceremonies of the church were travestied, indecent songs were sung, and all manners of fooleries enacted. The ass often played an important part in the proceedings, being sometimes led towards the altar and having hymns sung in its honor. Oh, oh yes. I don't know what the song would be, but uh, nonetheless, that's that's very important. Well, we're running out of time here and, and out of gas, actually, so I'm going to take a moment here before we leave to just go ahead and read something from John Lennon. This is something from John Lennon's book, A Spaniard in the Works, and this is the story of Araminta Ditch. It's a story that has a lot of uh, puns and, and wordplay in here that has to do with food. So, And this is something that makes me think of the holidays and happiness and what it means to be happy. 
Araminta Ditch was always larfing. She woof larf at these, larf at thas. Always larfing she was. Many body people woof look at at her saying, Why does that Araminta Ditch keep larfing? They could never understand why she was ever larfing about the place. I hope she's not all larfing at me, some people would say. I certainly hope that Araminta Ditch is not larfing at me. One date, Araminta rose up out of her duffel bed, larfing as usual, with that insage larf Pijol had come to know her form. He, 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 she larfed all the way down to breakfast. He, 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 she gurgled over the Mormon papers. He, 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 continued Araminta on the buzz to work. This pubbled the passengers and conductor equally both. Why is that boot larfing all the time, inquired an elderberry passenger who trabelled leg regularge on that roof and had a right to know. I'll bet nobody knows why I'm always larfing, said Araminta to herself, privately to herself. They would dearly love to know why I'm always larfing, like this, to myself, privately to myself. I bet some people would really like to know. She was right, of course. Lots of people would. Araminta Ditch had a boyfriend who could never see the joke. As long as she's happy, he said. He was a good man. Pray tell me, Araminta, why is it that you larf so readily? Yea, but I am sorely troubled sometimes when thy laughter causes sitch tribulation and embarrassment amongst my family and elders. Araminta would larf all the more at an outburp like this, even to the point of hysterics. He, 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 she would scream as if possessed by the very double himself. That Araminta ditch will have to storp or these larfing. She will definitely have to storp it. I will go crazy if she don't storp it. That was the large voice of her goodly neighbor, Mrs. Cramsby, who lived right next door and looked after the cars, cats, sorry, while looking after the cats while Araminta was at work. Takes a good deal of looking after these cat when she's 